Well, um, hey, welcome to Black Men Speak. This is the host, Keith Dent, and I just wanted to start by acknowledging uh, some stars that we've lost uh, recently. Well, for 2023, uh, that is. And uh, Lance Reddick, uh, you know, anybody from uh, The Wire, you know, True Goy the Dove from uh, Rapper, Ron Cephas Jones, um, DJ Casper, um, you know, the cha-cha, cha-cha man, you know, and just this past week we lost Andre Brower. Uh, those are just some of the few brothers that we lost uh, this year. Uh, but what was striking about, you know, these men is the oldest one was Ron Cephas Jones, and he was only 66 years old. And so today um, we're going to talk about the physical lives of our black men and what we can do um, about that. And, and I say physical is the, the physical part of us because, you know, over the past years, you know, you know, with the pandemic and things of that nature, we've been focusing a lot more on our mental health. Um, but, you know, we can't neglect our physical health. And so, our life expectancy, and I've heard some, I've seen some studies uh, where we're, of course, we're at the lowest at 71.9 years of age. Um, that might have gone down to as low as 61 uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, I haven't, you know, I'd love, you know, and over the course of probably 2024, you may have a doctor on to kind of dispute some of those numbers and the things that have gone on. But, um, Needless to say, we are at and at a stage where we are the lowest and we need to do something about it. Um, you know, we are in and across all races and genders, most of us are dying from the big three, which is heart disease, stroke, and cancer. Um, but we're dying at a 30% more um, rate from from heart disease than other races, um, 60% from stroke. And, and this is whopping. We are 75% less likely to have health insurance. So, and that means a couple of things. So we can't get the treatment that we need, one. And two, we're not going to the doctor often enough to catch the illnesses in time uh, for us to live longer. Um, and so I ran across um, a study, um, an initiative called the Black Men's Health Project. And one of the things in one of the videos that they introduce is that one of the quotes that they said, and I thought was fascinating, is that we live our lives behind a mask. We don't tell the truth. Which means that we are apt to just man up and say we're good. And, um, you know, you hear funny stories like, are you good? You know, what's good? You know, are you good? And we're like, oh, I'm good. And we won't talk about some of the challenges that we have mentally and physically. And it's causing us to live um, shorter lives than our counterparts. Uh, so then this week, 
I came across a letter that was done, written in the Indianapolis Recorder by a brother named Colin Mays, 30, a 33 African-American man um, that weighed, at, at one juncture, weighed over 400 pounds. Um, it didn't address that in the letter, uh, but um, in talking with him, that's what he told me. And I was totally blown away. And just one had to have him on the show just to talk about the letter because he challenges black men to get moving and to mean it. So I, I was like, okay, what is he, why is he challenging men to do this? And, and to mean it is, is like, okay, basically telling us as men to stop talking smack and just get up and start doing it. So I wanted to say, well, why do you feel you need, you know, you, you as a brother, why you feel, feel you need to call us out like that in the letter? And I wanted to just chat with them about it. And plus, he's a frat brother of mine. And I thought, well, hey, any other way to, uh, to get to talk to him and hear about um, his journey? Uh, what a better way to do it. Uh, but before I, you know, have him on, you know, I just want to tell you a, bit, a little bit about him. Uh, he serves as the president and founder of LMS Solutions. It's a strategic planning consulting firm aimed at assisting local governments and nonprofits. Um, and most recently, he served as director of Department of Economic Inclusion for the city of Cincinnati. Woo, woo, that's my hometown. So awesome. Shout out to that. Uh, and my peeps in Cincy, you know, um, he has a long passion for public service. He spent his entire career in the public sector and believes the power of giving back. Um, he has a degree in political science from Western Michigan University and a master's of public administration from Oakland University. Um, he's been featured in many publications. And um, one of the other things we'll talk about is that he's the co-chair of the Soul of Philanthropy in Michigan. Uh, and he led a volunteer effort of about 25 people and raised $400,000. So I can't wait uh, to talk about that. So... Um, brother, brother Mays, what's up, brother? How you doing, brother Dent? What's happening, man? It's good to be here with you. Glad, I'm glad you're here. I really am, and I can't wait to chop it up with you. And because uh, you know, you you just called some brothers out, you know, in the letter that you wrote, I guess this week in an Indianapolis Recorder. So, my first question I really wanted to get started with is. What made you decide to write the article in the first place, kind of challenging men to not only get moving, but to mean it. Don't just really say, oh, I'm going to move this year. I'm going to focus on getting uh, moving and getting active and then not do it. So, yeah, I'd love to hear about that. Absolutely, Keith. Um, and thank you again for having me on your show, man. I, I really uh, enjoyed the work that you do. I, I think uh, Black Men Speak is, is a fantastic podcast. Uh, man, just glad to be here with you, brother. Thank you. Um, you know, it was kind of more so a call to action, uh, the article in the Indianapolis Recorder. I read um, another article in the uh, Authority Health, which is a, a based here in the Detroit. I'm in the Detroit area. And in the publication, it stated that um, 61 years old is the average life expectancy for black men in, in America. 
And of course, you know, we can't believe everything that we read in the papers, right? I mean, right, we, we know right. that, you know, especially especially for us. We understand that the the distrust in media. You definitely can't believe everything you read. But I have on good um, authority that this uh, publication, I, I know the people that are there, um, it, it, and it's credible. So I'm wondering from that 71-year-old uh, age, which you had mentioned reference earlier, to 61, I'm thinking some of that data has to come from the pandemic, right, um, has to come from maybe some other challenges that that we've seen, um, especially from a, a mental health standpoint. Uh, suicide rates have gone up as well. But uh, nonetheless, I wanted to do kind of a call to action for uh, brothers particularly to get out and move. Um, myself personally, I've lost uh, over 200 pounds from um, 2015. You know, I went on a journey and in 2015 and i was fed up i said you know what i'm i'm yeah. tired of this i mean at my highest weight i was 419 pounds you know and i keep in mind i'm a, I'm a big dude i'm six five but okay, even being so, six wow. five okay. you know even being six five and 400 pounds is just not healthy and um i was sluggish i had no energy man i was 25 years old i was like look this is this is not cool this is not acceptable um so I was I had to become extremely disciplined with my uh, diet and had to become extremely disciplined with just waking up and being active. And I had to become extremely disciplined with my mind. Uh, I had to make sure that I was changing my habits around food, but especially around movement and making sure that I was getting um, my movement, my cardio in throughout the day. Mm. You know, the American Heart Association recommends, at least last time I checked, 150 hours of moderate exercise per week. That's a week, right? Yeah. That's that's a week. And I think that that's too low. And, uh, you know, I know that might scare some people because they'll say, man, I'm, I'm struggling just to get to 75 throughout the week because you, you have family, you got a job, you have other commitments, and it, it is challenging to fit in exercise. But the 30 or 45 minutes or even an hour that you spend whether it's on the, the stationary bike, whether it's on a row machine, which is a great workout, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, whether if it's on the treadmill or whether if it's on the elliptical, which is my favorite um, machine to use from a cardio standpoint, you have to do it because it's going to not only uh, transform your mindset, transform your day, but it's going to make you feel like, you know what, I just accomplished something that was really difficult and I'm able to go out now and, and conquer the rest of, of the day and, and the rest of the world. So whenever you can fit it in, my preference is the morning. I highly encourage, um, you know, uh, especially especially brothers to, to get up in the morning and, and work out. It's tough as we get um, older. It's tough as we have more responsibilities because um, our days get shifted around. And I know for me personally, if I don't go in the morning, I'm going to have every excuse in the book as to why I can't go after work, right? Or why yeah. uh, come five or six o'clock, you know, it's just, it's too much and I, I'm just not going to get to it. Uh, so encouraging people to move. So mm -hmm. every day we should be active, you know, every day we need to have movement. And the reason why the title is uh, Black Men Get Moving and This Time Mean It because for a long time, I always had those New Year's resolutions. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start fresh January one. I'm gonna mm -hmm. change, you know, change my habits. I'm gonna do, and 
up until 2015, 2016, it never happened. You know, it was just all talk. Or I would go for a couple of days. Oh, I'm tired. You know, this is this doesn't matter. And um, you know, I'm I I'll figure it out later, right? Or I'll get to it when I can get to it. And mm-hmm. there's no time like the present to invest in yourself. Right. And when you think of investments, you know, it has to be within yourself first and foremost. Well, that leads to just, and I'm so not so many questions, but but a couple of questions. Was there a a life event or any specific event that led you to say, okay, 2015, I am going to make a commitment to doing this. You know, Keith, that's a great question. I've been asked that like numerous times and I was thinking about it today before we, before we started this podcast, like what was kind of that aha moment for me? And, um, you know, I come from a a very athletic family. Um, You know, I would say that uh, for me, I was the only one that was, that was overweight. Right. So it was kind of like, uh, I mean, I love food. Don't get me wrong. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I still love food. Like I still love dessert, but just in moderation. Uh, what really did it for me was transforming my mind around, um, you know, my desire to eat. Right. And, and eating was kind of a coping mechanism. You know, you, you deal with so many issues in life. And, and for me, um, you know, my drug, if you will, was food. Mm-hmm. And I would turn to it when I was happy, turn to it when I was sad, turn to it when I was having a, a great day, a tough day. Um, it just became everything that I needed to just kind of, um, uh, kind of ease my mm-hmm. uh, ease myself, right? Um, but what did it for me was I started thinking long term. So I started thinking, uh, what happens when I get to be sixty years old? You know, what happens when I, if I can even live to be 60 years old at 400 mm-hmm. pounds, I mean, it, it's, I'd probably be struggling to, to make it to 50. Right. So then I started to think long-term about finances and I started to think long-term about if I'm working, if I'm paying into a system for social security, paying into a system for 401k, paying into a system for Roth IRA, which everybody needs to have, by the way. So if you don't have a Roth IRA, you need to open one today. Um, I need to be able to live long enough so that I can enjoy myself and I can enjoy my money and I can ideally pass down a legacy to my kids and not just a legacy of, of financial means, but a legacy of, of health and a legacy of uh, proper nutrition. So it was, it was so much a financial reason and a business reason. Um, and it certainly had personal benefits too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Dr. Neighbors uh, just commented they don't call it comfort food for nothing. Uh, congratulations, Connor. And thank you, Dr. Neighbors, uh, for commenting. I can't wait to speak to you about the project, which we'll talk about later. Um, but you said you came from a family of athletes. And so was that, were you athletic when you were younger? And over time, did the weight, well, I guess, you know, it it happened over time. Um I would love to hear that part of it because, you know, you know, I think for a lot of, especially as men, you know, we are, we, for the most part, we are athletic because that's kind of a way that we get validation through sports uh, and and not our minds so much. And so did the kind of weights, 
And then the weight will sneak up on us because one, we're not as active as we, as we used to be. And then before you know it, we're, we can get to a point where it's like, okay, well, it is what it is. So I'd love to hear that part of it. You know, how, what was the journey? Did it take a very long time before you realized you were at that point or, or was, you know, was it, you know, just kind of because you had this, um, I guess, addiction to food, so to th- so to speak. Yeah, you know, I was a big kid, man. I was a big kid really all my life. So, um, you know, I, looking back on it now, being 6'5", I could have been a, a beast on the football field, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but, um, but no, man, I, you know, I, I did some, I, I played some hockey uh, growing up, you know, some of those kind of junior leagues and whatnot, but um, I was, I was a big, I was a big boy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and I remember, like, you know, my dad has always been super fit, super in shape. Like, he would he would come home and uh, devote an hour to, you know, just being on the treadmill. Like, it didn't matter, like, any other um, challenges that he had or if he had a tough day, he would just be dedicated to it. And uh, my dad is 73 now, and he is in, in incredible shape um, for uh, uh, for being 73. And um, But, you know, again, kind of just having – seeing it so it's like i saw it in practice right and it looked good but the carrot cake looked good too so uh it was just a challenge for me to uh, again kind of shift my mindset around what it meant for longevity and what it meant for uh for myself and then two you know some of my peers that i saw um didn't have proper eating habits i mean you know when you're in middle school or high school right who who is going to have proper eating habits but um so many of the people that I grew up with um, that were kind of on the thinner side, you know, are now asking me for tips about, well, how did you do, you know, because now they're trying to get back to what mm-hmm. they were in the, right. in the high school days. So, And, you know, of course, we as men as well can also not be very kind to our brothers, um, especially as a, and so, was that the case also? And and how did how did that impact you making the the switch to to take control over this aspect of your life? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, growing up, man, you're always uh, picked on for something, right? I mean, if mm-hmm. I wasn't overweight, it would have been something else, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's just kind of the nature of of growing up. It's not right um, under any means to to be bullied. But um, it's just kind of what I think everybody goes through, um, and, you know, adolescent stage, and and uh, people grow older, and and people change, and people are like, man, I was you know such a jerk back in in high school or in middle school, right? And uh, right, right. But it's it's kind of what I think everybody goes through. Um, you know what what I'd say, you know, my transformation, like I said, at twenty five, I was a grown man at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so it was more so a matter of me just thinking like long term you know, having a look in the mirror with myself, like, okay, Colin, how do you plan to sustain yourself? You're 25. How do you plan to sustain yourself for the next 25 years uh, being at, you know, over 400 pounds? And I just kind of came to the realization that there's no way to sustain it. There's no way to have longevity when you're, um, you know, when, when you're suffering uh, inside. And uh, so many of the challenges you know, seep through 
into the physical aspect, right? Because when you're carrying around that much weight, man, it, it, everything is challenging. Day to day tasks just um, get to be too much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. And and then what I thought was fascinating, and I wanted to, you had mentioned how as you started to work out, those forty five minutes uh, became your therapy sessions. So there were a couple of questions. Well, one, before you embarked on this challenge, did you, did you actually go to any physical or any, um, professional doctors for any aspect and they gave you advice or did you embark on this, in this journey entirely on your own? Um, so I did this journey entirely on my own. Um, I didn't go to a doctor and say, Hey, give me a a meal plan and I'll follow it. Um, I had to really create my own pathway and, uh, to anybody that's listening that wants to lose weight or, you know, has a substantial amount of, excuse me, substantial amount of weight to lose. It really has to be your decision. Um, you know, it's nice to, to maybe tell a medical professional what your, your goals are, what you're going to embark on. But a lot of these doctors, man, they don't believe you. So if you tell them that, they're just going to look at you and say, oh, okay, that's nice. And, you know, see, we'll see you next year and we'll weigh you in. And it'll be the same thing or I'll be, you know, subscribing you with some medicine, right? Prescribe you some medicine. Um, so you really have to do it for you. And you really have to do it with a goal in mind in terms of why you want to be healthy, why you want to be in shape. Um, what does it mean to you? And... Um, you know, what I would say, too, is that when it came down to it, it was really the first thing that I cut out was the pop. And I was never really a big pop or soda. I'm sorry. I'm in Detroit. So we call soda pop. Right. Um, but I was never really a big like soda person at all. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. OK. Um, that was the first thing that went was a soda. And to this day, I don't drink anything but water. Um, I'm a teetotaler, so I don't drink alcohol. Um, mm. I don't have any juices, you know, it's just strictly water. I have a gallon and a half of water a day gallon and then half. just, you know, being strict with your, with your eating, your eating schedule, what you're eating. Um, and then going back to what you said earlier about the physical kind of turning, uh, my workout session into my therapy, I can't go a day without, um, whether if it's lifting weights or if it's, um, doing cardio I and mean, I do cardio every day. And I will do cardio on the elliptical. Uh, that's my preference. But whatever you can do to just be active and get going, brothers, that's that's what I'm encouraging all black men to do is to just put put your foot out there and and do something because um, we have got to live long enough to enjoy our ourselves, our family uh, and our money. OK, um, that that's fast. That's fascinating and also kind of also goes against convention because we always say, well, we have to go see a doctor, go see a doctor to get baseline numbers, at least um, to know what we can do. But it seems like you, you had enough resilience and enough a determination to do it on your own which is applauds to you. I think that's, that's great because one of the things, one of the um, comments that came out that was on the website is that we as 
black men live with our ma- with a mask on um, all the time. So, did you feel that you um, that you had on a mask and you had to by looking in the mirror remove the mask in order to really um, do this as part of your journey? Um, yeah, I mean, if if the mask is um, you know, not being accountable to myself. Yeah. I, I had to, I had to take that off and I had to just have a real conversation with myself and say, Hey, look, this is my life. This is my responsibility. Um, you know, I can write, uh, my own journey and I just have to be the one that's going to take control. I think the thing too, that you realize when you're going through any major transformation, if you're losing weight, if you're, um, you know, quitting alcohol, if you're, you know, doing anything that is, uh, going to be kind of life altering, you know, you realize that it's a, a very strong mental game. It's a very strong uh, desire to make a change. And um, ultimately, it does come down to you. And you have to be the one that's willing to uh, be as disciplined as possible. And when everybody else is saying, no, 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 that's okay, just do this or do that, you have got to be strong-willed and um, seeing your vision through. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so in the, so I guess, have you received any feedback actually from, because that letter was written, I guess, earlier this week, or I think it was earlier this week, right? Or some sometime last week. Did you get any feedback from from the letter from brothers? And what did what did they say? So I've gotten um, 16 emails since that uh, okay. since the article went out, and uh, um, majority actually no, I'm sorry, not all, not majority, all have said very positive uh, comments, very positive things about uh, me motivating them to get out there and and just be active and and mean it this time, right? I mean, uh, not using even January one as the start date, but using December 12th as a start date, using December, you know. Mm-hmm. 17th today is a start date. Right. Um, I do want to give special acknowledgement to uh, Dr. Uh, Harold Woody Neighbors, who I think is on this. I can't. I can't see if he's still here, but yeah, he's still um, here. But uh, I want to give special recognition to Dr. Neighbors. Dr. Neighbors is actually um, a big reason why I um, embarked on my long journey around um, physical health and also mental health. Uh, Dr. Neighbors has a research program, Man Up, Man Down. Um, which he's a longtime professor at U of M, now lives on the East Coast. But uh, Dr. Neighbors has been a champion for all of us uh, in terms of uh, addressing black men's health. And I also want to give a special acknowledgement to Kevin Dedner, who is uh, originally from Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, he's also frat, Keith. And okay. uh, he, uh, he's based in the D.C. area now, but Kevin has been a champion for black men's uh, mental health, mental well-being, um, showcasing what it means for us to be healthy in our mind, which also translates into our body. And um, Dr. Neighbors, Kevin, and myself are on a quest in 2024 and and beyond to go across the country promoting Black men's health. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, more to come on that, but want to give a special acknowledgement to them and um, thank them for their partnership. Great. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, 
So from the local, I guess a local perspective, since people have seen, I mean, you've, cause you've lived in that area, I guess for, I guess a long period of time and they've seen your transformation. Uh, you can't, I mean, I'm sure it's, it doesn't go notice. So how has it from a, what has been kind of the most interesting comments or observations that you have feedback that you've gotten from someone? Um, one person that I've known for, um, probably 15 years or so, uh, told me, said, I didn't think you could do it. Mm. Uh, that was an interesting comment. Um, you know, some a lot of the other comments though, just positive, you know, you know, you look great and, you know, happy for you, this, that, the other. But, um, again, the real reason why I did it, man, was because I wanted to challenge myself. It was something that even with all the awards that I've won, the degrees, it was one thing that I had, had not been able to accomplish. And to me, it's the most meaningful because, um, you know, no one could ever take it away from me. Right. It's, it's what I worked for as long as, as long as I keep working at it, I'll, I'll be as healthy as I possibly can be. Mm -hmm. Um, but just kind of reshaping your, uh, your mindset around exercise and food. It's a very tough thing. And I know that, you know, Dr. Neighbors would agree with this. It, it's a very tough thing, um, to reprogram yourself essentially from and, what and you so, have. Yeah. Yeah, from uh, what you have experienced. And what's some? what are some of the things you had to reprogram? So, and I know you talked about the water, I know, but food. So what was what was your food of choice? So if you were really down in the dumps and you, what what was the food that you had to have? Man. Okay, so I'm going to tell you this too. I'll tell you this too, Keith. <laughs> I still, you know, I still have cheat days, man. So I have a cheat okay. meal once a week. <laughs> well, so, hey, I mean, I, I get it. You, you're still living, <laughs> you know? Um, so I have a cheat meal once a week. No, my go-tos, um, my go-tos always would be, uh, pizza, um, uh, you know, yams, uh, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas time, man, those are always, and still are always good times, right? Okay. Yeah, Not absolutely. Family, of course, family, but you got, you know, the food that accompanies that as well. Um, you know, big fan of, uh, of Chinese food. I mean, really, whatever I get my hands on <laughs> back okay. then. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm a big dessert guy, you know, so I, I still enjoy, um, you know, cakes and ice cream and and candies and things like that. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, my favorite of all time is carrot cake. You know, I'll, I'll still destroy a carrot cake, man, okay. if it's in front of me. But um, no, my meals and this is probably going to scare people, but my meals got so and still are so disciplined and, and strict. Um, you know, when I wake up in the morning, do my exercise, I'll have oatmeal, banana, blueberries for breakfast. And then for lunch, I'll have some veggies, um, chicken breasts and apple and maybe like a fiber bar. Um, and then for dinner, I will have, um, maybe some ground turkey and veggies or uh, fish and veggies. And then here's a kicker. So people still don't believe, but I will have an ice cream sandwich or something sweet, um, to kind of close out my day, because again, we're all human, but I'll mm. stop eating after five. So I do practice the uh, intermittent fasting. I'll stop eating after five 
and I will um, just do whatever I can, whether if it's work, whether if it's just, uh, you know, unwinding, you know, maybe I'm trying to catch up on um, some other assignments, some other tasks that I, I have to get done. But I will stop eating after five and I won't resume until eight because your body is a, it's a lot like taking a test when you think about it. Right. You can't cram everything in the night before. Or at least I, I have before. Man, I've been successful at that before in the past with school. Right. But for the most part, you can't cram everything in. Go take a test the next day and expect your brain to process everything. It's the same way with food. I can't eat, um, you know, a huge hamburger with fries at 9 p.m., wake up at, um, you know, 7 a.m. and go eat, you know, pancakes. I mean, your body just, body's just like, well, what are you doing? Like, well, you know, I need time to, to figure out what did I have and I need to process what I had. And I think that that's a, that's a practice that certainly worked well for me. So if anybody hasn't tried intermittent fasting, I, I definitely recommend it. Five o'clock. Wow. Even... Even the uh, seniors are like, "What?" <laughs> I told you, my my uh, my window is is disciplined and and very strict. But as long as you have some form of fasting, mm -hmm. man, I I would definitely recommend um, fourteen or fifteen hour fast. And okay. you know, let's say that you you get your day started at nine o'clock. You know, in theory, you should stop eating by you know six or seven at the latest. Mm -hmm. So that's you can say that your fast when you stop eating at five and going all the way to the next day yes. um, as, as your, as your fast of um, is, so is there ever a time where you go a whole day where you won't, where you won't eat at all and just water? Um, I have not, I have not done that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think I'd ever do that. Okay. <laughs> but okay. Uh, I know um, some people, they do that as well. I was just, I wonder if that was part of your regimen. They do. And kudos to those people. <laughs> because I definitely need uh, definitely need some nourishment, you know, especially when you're doing the level of activity and right, right. Um, you know, you definitely need to to eat something, right? Um, I don't believe in in starvation. That that's not a way to uh, to get healthy at all. Mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. Okay, 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 great. Um, so, in essence, do you you so one you feel that we as black men have the ability to heal ourselves. We don't need, uh, we don't necessarily need our doctors to do that for us. We can heal ourselves as long as, but of course we need, we need to decide that we need to have the discipline in order to do it. Um, do, you, do you feel that's a true statement? You know, I think a lot of uh, a lot of our challenges are hereditary, but I think that um, through proper diet and through us being intentional with movement, I think that we can we can certainly um, work to improve our health. And uh, there are some things like hypertension, which we're more likely to get, and all of it really stems from diet. But then, of course, again, you know, genetically, we, we do have a greater uh, disproportion uh, uh, when it comes to health. But I think that the things we can control, if you if I woke up or wake up tomorrow and say, look, I'm going to look in the mirror and this is what I can do to control myself. If I can just control myself, then I have the opportunity um, 
to write a story that that I want to read. So and, and it really does, in my opinion, start with with ourselves and, of course, understanding that we are at a, a disadvantage uh, when it comes to health equity um, and always have been, unfortunately, which is even more of a reason why um, we have to take our health into our own hands. And we need support. We need a support group. Um, mm. We need to make sure that we that we're interacting with our, you know, 100 black men clubs, our fraternities um, need to make sure that we're, you know, we're going out to some of these uh, these neighborhood kind of exercise groups. There's a group in Detroit called We Run 313. And, you know, they're dedicated just to, uh, you know, just to running. There's another group called Black Men Run, right? Black Men Hike. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many ways to get active. And I think it just comes down to us having that support and us just going out there and doing it. Well, and also bringing somebody along. I think we we don't do enough of that whereby, you know, if you know your run, then invite someone to run with you. Um, you know, and I think fellowshipping a lot and would go a long way whereby, you know, as a, you know, there's the black women's black women run black women they'll invite other people to come they'll invite their friends like okay you know you know we love that brunch but let's let's go run first and then you know and then we'll go get something to eat and i think if we we i think also collectively have to start doing that in 2024 is like hey um we know we because here's the the things we're gonna know we know that our um our boy's gonna say he's good we're not necessarily gonna press pressing what does good mean we're gonna say okay he he said he was good and then we'll leave it at that i think if we start to double down and say okay what do you mean you're good what you know have you done this have you done that um because we we don't also want to you know hold our own selves accountable so if we we start to make a little bit of those changes um and i definitely am going to to try to do that myself i mean i i I'm a cyclist. I don't ride as much as I would like, um, but I do walk uh, every day. And I think we have to make sure. Uh, so, I, and I'm accountable um, to my best friend because he makes sure he walks as well um, because we that's when we usually will catch up and, and those things we have to try to do, I think do collectively do more of that. So um, but thank you. I think this is great. But I wanted to switch gears a little bit because um, you also have this project that you're the co-chair of, which is called the Souls of Philanthropy. Uh, and so I wanted to hear a little bit about that because I thought that was also fascinating and um, what that was about. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear more. Yeah, um, you know, the Soul of Philanthropy is a, a project that I I worked on for uh, five years. You know, I saw the exhibit. Uh, so let me back up. It, it's um, It stems from a book which was written by a woman named Valeda Fullwood, who's based out in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, the book is called Giving Back. And Valeda chronicles uh, black giving, black generosity from all over the country. You know, because she's based in Charlotte, the book has a lot of references to uh, Charlotte and North Carolina, black philanthropy. But she created this exhibit called The Soul of Philanthropy, which um, started in 2013, 
2013 or 2014. Uh, I want to say 2014. Uh, and the first one was in Charlotte, right? And ever since then, she's been able to like, meet different people from other cities. They're like, you know, I, I'd love to tell the story of, of my hometown's black side philanthropy. Um, you know, showcasing how black Americans give, where we give, why we give, how we give. And a statistic that a lot of people don't know or don't realize is that we are the most philanthropic group in the entire country, uh, both in dollars and in service. Um, but when you hear the word philanthropist, you're typically thinking of somebody taking out a check and writing you, you know, a million dollars, or you're typically thinking of somebody that, um, uh, is of a different race than uh, a black person in this country that is donating millions of dollars. And while that certainly is a form of philanthropy, um, the philanthropy that we touch upon in the soul of philanthropy is that community spirit, you know, that giving. Um, you know, Keith, you're a philanthropist. Um, just by this podcast alone, you're a, a philanthropist because you're providing us information that's useful to everyday living for the black man in America. Uh, uh, Dr. Neighbors is a philanthropist because of his research and trying to help uh, black men's uh, mental and physical challenges. The same with Kevin uh, Dedner, you know, philanthropist. Mm -hmm. But we have to really change the narrative around uh, what does the word philanthropy mean? So the exhibit showcases that we're all philanthropists. Everyday people are philanthropists. Um, we had five key areas that we focused in on in Detroit. In addition to the national exhibit, we focused in on education because teachers are definitely philanthropists. They don't do it for the money. Um, uh, we focused in on uh, the black business community, uh, large and small and medium-sized businesses uh, and their owners that have given back to uh, the Detroit community. Uh, we focused in on the Divine Nine. Um, you know, oh six, uh, but you know, all of the divine nine are a form of, of philanthropists and through service and action. Uh, we focused in on general community champions, uh, you know, the neighborhood grandmother that's taking care of everybody's kids, uh, or that's uh, that's cooking a, a warm meal for uh, everybody on the block. You know, we we focused on that. Um, we focused in on clergy, which is huge in our community. You know, I think when you think of, of pastors, that's definitely a form of, of philanthropy. I mean, mm -hmm. we, so many of us learn to give. Actually, I probably safe to say all of us learn to give through the church, right? right? Yeah. Um, tithing. For the most part, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we, we had different key areas that we, that we focused in on uh, in Detroit. Uh, the exhibit's currently housed in New Orleans. So New Orleans has kind of their own spin on it. It'll be in New Orleans until February. Okay. Um, and then after that, it's headed to Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, the um, local Detroit component is returning in 2025. Okay. And not a lot of people know that. So this is the first time I'm, I'm mentioning it. But we are going to bring it back because we, uh, we had great success with it. And I want to give a very special shout out to uh, my co-chair, Nakia Washington, uh, who I had the privilege of, of working, uh, working with on this. And uh, our entire committee uh, to bring it to life. Well, that's, I think that's fascinating. And I like the fact that, uh, yes, I am a philanthropist as well as others, just by what, um, what they provide. And I think if we, and there's so many narratives, we just need to, to change, to view it ourselves more positively. And I think uh, that 
um, study that you, or not study, but the exhibit that you presented and got other people to donate, I think is really great. And kudos to you for that. Um, and I, I really was, appreciated uh, you highlighting that. You know, it was it was a black lab project. Uh, I was promoting black philanthropy, promoting different kinds of black philanthropy. Um, you know, we raised over four hundred thousand um, dollars. Kellogg, which was one of our, our first contributors, you know, when they found out about it, WK Kellogg Foundation, they gave us a hundred thousand dollars right off the bat, and said, "Absolutely, we we want to hear these stories. We want to tell these stories." Um, so I think having the ability to showcase philanthropy, black philanthropy, from a, especially from a community uh, community perspective, was huge. Mm, okay. Well, uh, even though we've started, we've already started kind of the journey because um, I didn't wait to January to do this <laughs> podcast uh, about getting back, um, you know, taking our physical health more seriously and getting people more active. I'd love to hear. Um, if you have any health goals for 2024 or starting today and, and what are the, what are those goals for this year, for next year? Sorry. Yeah. You know, uh, my goals for 2024, of course, you know, keeping in my, uh, my physical condition, um, you know, I, I went out and, and got myself, um, uh, you know, because as I mentioned earlier, I'm six, five, right. So I'm, I can't just get typically off the rack suits. So okay. I, I splurged a bit and I got some some custom made suits just All for right. me and just for All my right. body. So um, as a way for me to stay motivated and to keep going forward with my health goals, um, you know, I, I got those suits as kind of a reminder, like, hey, they fit today. They they better fit next year at the same time. Right. So um, it's kind of just a way for me to keep on the bandwagon and and uh, just don't let up. For 2024, I'm hoping to uh, do more uh, of a kind of maybe a mental reset, just devoting more time. And I'm sure Kevin and Dr. Neighbors will uh, appreciate this and they'll applaud this. Just uh, spending more time um, doing some of the things that I want to do from a personal standpoint. Uh, of course, the solo philanthropy, of course, the discussing black men's health, but also traveling. Uh, I have an uh, an ambition to get to all 50 states before I turn 50. So okay. um, I'm at uh, like number 29 now. So I'm hoping to get to three states next year and, and just do some more, uh, some more traveling. So some more mental, mental health uh, therapy there. Okay. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. I was going to say, um, um, if you want to embark on a new, since a uh, new, uh, physical challenge cycling it it could change your life brother i tell you yeah. <laughs> um there was a guy that was actually um out of st louis uh that went he rode his bike a brother that rode from st louis to um to chicago great is a great documentary about it if you find it as a, a father and son uh actually embarked on that and it was really it was really great and um so you might you know, hey, if you want to take up a new new challenge or something to ride, get on that bike and you you change your life. But I'll uh, tell you what, Keith, I'll get on the bike, you get on the elliptical. I'll okay. do it for a week, and you do the elliptical for a week. And I, I want to get your feedback on that. Okay, all right, absolutely. Um, so I always kind of like to end the show with um with this question. You know, it's a surprise, um, but I'd love to know uh, right now. You know, and we're kind of closing out the year, but how are you feeling uh, as a as a black man right now? 
in this country? It's a black man in this country. Um, yeah, in this country, you're just in your skin right now. Man, I'll say this uh, a couple things, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, number one, I'll say that I'm I'm thankful. I'm thankful to be here. Uh, I'm thankful to be here uh, on this podcast with you. Appreciate the invitation. Um, thankful for uh, great family and friends. Um, thankful for uh god providing opportunity and ways for me thankful for a uh, thick skin because you know sometimes people throw stuff at you keith man you want to just you know go right back at them right but um as a as a black man in america it is important that we um always do our best which i believe we do uh understanding that there's going to be multiple challenges thrown at us unfairly thrown at us um, and just having the ability to navigate difficult situations uh, with a smile on your face. It's not an easy thing to do. But, brothers, we have support. We have each other. Um, and don't be afraid to reach out if, if you need that support. Because uh, I know somebody is uh, listening um, and is able to, to support you. Uh, and I'm one of those people. So uh, don't hesitate to reach out if you need anything and lean on each other. We are our brother's keeper. I believe that. So I'm That's feeling cool. hopeful. Feeling, feeling hopeful. hopeful. Okay. Oh, feeling great. Hopeful. You know, great message um, today. I think hopeful is a great word that we have to, we all should collectively start using that because I mean, hope takes on many forms. And if we have hope, uh, we can, you know, we can move forward and our outlook of where we are won't look so bleak. So, um, Brother Mays, I just want to thank you for being on the show today. And yeah, I look forward to my uh, week of elliptical uh, training. <laughs> and you, I'm holding you to it. Hey, everybody that saw this podcast has heard you say it. I'm holding on the you bike to it. And, uh, but I definitely want to have you back. Um, you know, if, hopefully we can get uh, Dr. Neighbors on and, and Kevin on and we'll talk about this collectively because I think we want to hear more. I know, I know one of the things that was discussed is that one of the challenges with um, studies about Black men and uh, in, in their health is because we don't really trust uh, to do studies and things of that nature to give a, you know, at least a ballpark of where we are uh, in that standpoint. And we have to start to really think about that in a different way um, so we can, you know, we can support we can help ourselves. And I think that's a great way to do that. So I definitely want to have you back on uh, to talk about this even more. Absolutely. Well, we do have a reason to be distrusting of, of, of some media and we do have reason to be distrusting of some numbers, but uh, Dr. Neighbors and, and Kevin, they've long studied this and um, you know, they'll be able to provide some, some context as well. And um, yeah, just kind of just want to say real quick, one more time that, the three of us are embarking um, on a national journey to promote black men's health. Uh, we've got multiple locations in mind. Keith, I know you're in New Jersey. We'll probably get out there to see you as well. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd love to have you part of the discussion. Man. And, and, and lastly, and I know we didn't touch about upon this, but I guess for people to, to really kind of get a handle 
on things. If they want to, if they don't want to go and see the doctor, we want to take things into their own hands. Were there any books or anything that you read or you or any like a website that you went to to kind of get a handle on some of those uh, things that they needed to know? You know, I would say what what helped me um, in terms of getting started was just taking that first step. Okay. And um, when I was 419 pounds, I couldn't run. So I got on the elliptical, right? That was something that I, I could do. I, could, I couldn't go fast, but it's something that I did. And I did it repeatedly. Um, having the ability to, uh, to fast uh, changed my life. Having the ability to um, kind of portion out my food, right? Because before it was just, hey, I like it. I'm going to eat it until I'm just like completely full in a food coma and I'm okay. you know, passing out but um, just making sure that I'm portioning out my food. So I can't say it's a book that I read, but it was a mindset that I had around, I have got to make a change now mm -hmm. so that I can live long enough to enjoy myself in retirement years. And beyond okay. that, um, when you're in shape and you're not carrying around excess 50, 100 um, pounds, man, your life is completely different mm. and you're able to do things that you, you um, didn't expect to be able to do. Like you're able to, to go out and go hiking or able to go out and um, you know, just experience life more. So right, right. that's what this is all about. Brothers is going out there and experiencing life and getting everything that's owed to you. So folks, um, yeah, you didn't mention any books though, but you can YouTube or Google portioning out your food uh, fasting and uh, all you, that you need to do to take the first step. That just means, hey, you might want to just need to walk around in your apartment or outside or walk, <laughs> just walk to get the mail. You know, that that may be things that, that really start to change your life. So like once again, as, as we close out, um, Brother Colin, thank you for being on today. And I look forward to definitely speaking to you uh, in the new year. Brother Dent, I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, this is uh, Keith Dent from the Black Men Speak podcast. Um, everybody have a great year. And um, and I'd love to hear, you know, give me some of those goals that you want to accomplish for the new year. And we are, you know, I'll hold you accountable to them. Thank you.